This is David Nett from Gold, and you're listening to Stolen Droids Podcast. Should it be The Stolen Droids? It's just Stolen Droids, right? Hello, and welcome to Stolen Droids Podcast, episode number 111. I'm Schmitty. I'm Stark. I'm Zoner. And I can't decide if I want to say 111 or 111 or... <laughs> 111. <laughs> 11 Z's. I like that, 111. <laughs> wow, show title immediately. Sweet. <laughs> All right. Well, it is our 111th episode. We uh, we just got done with a uh, episode with David Nett of Stolen Droids Presents. If you haven't checked that out yet, you should. It's definitely awesome. Uh, want to give a shout out to our friends over at trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, and stitcher.com. And uh, that's really about it. We love our sponsors. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we have some feedback from last week. Uh, a lot of you have mentioned that you like our sound. Yay. Other than, evidently last week, we, we mentioned that we're doing a new way of recording, uh, and there were some hiccups. Evidently, I got really, really quiet at certain points. So we're trying to fix that. Uh, a lot of people were mentioning that Zoner should keep his pants on. Yes, please. I second Good. that. I, you know, pants are overrated. <laughs> Sing the praises of pants. Um, I don't know what that's in reference to, that's but I'm going to look it up now. Science Theater 3000. Ah, yes. Uh, Hick from Trek Radio writes me, uh, Howdy from Music City, USA. I have meant to drop you guys some feedback for a while now. Just wanted to let you know, aside from the obligatory love for the show, that the audio sounded great this week. It went kind of soft once or twice, but aside from... Yeah, okay, I just covered that. Uh, you've been getting the libertarian in me fired up the last few weeks all, with all the legal news stories, e.g. BitLocker password and the Fifth Amendment, totally protected, by the way. You simply don't have to incriminate yourself. You have the absolute right to remain silent. Now you got the meme creator lawyering up on scribble knots. More power to them, I guess. Hopefully Kellogg's doesn't sue Nancat for use of Pop-Tart in the imagery <laughs> Or made the keyboard cat or keyboard or baby blue shirt could uh, sue some cash as well for that matter. However, the latest Google versus Microsoft news over the H264 codec really is causing me a dilemma in the free market principles, if only due to the ridiculous amount Google asked for, basically trying to get all their money back in two years off of one license. That aside, why can't Google charge people whatever they want for something they own? Just because Microsoft got a better deal from Motorola for the codec, unless they have a contract, why can't Google say, we think it's worth X amount now. Google probably would only be hurting themselves by charging too much, as nobody will pay billions of dollars to use, and thus they won't get anything at all for what they paid for. But if they own it, why can't they sell it for their own price? Let someone else come up with a better codec. This brand of judicial protectionism hurt us all by stifling innovation. And don't get me started on the ridiculous length of time that patent and copyrights are granted now, which is really the heart of the problem anyway. Oh well, at least listening to your conversation diverts my attention and energy from road raging. Thanks. LLA AP, Stark will know. First off, Hick, we all know what Live Long and Prosper is. I have taught them well. Yes. You? Yes, because without none you, of we us never would have known what Star Trek you. is. Of course not. 
Um, he does bring up an interesting part. You know, we talked last week about Google finding themselves uh, in hot water with the court. They wanted to charge $4 billion a year to Microsoft for use of the H.264 codec, which they bought from Motorola. The judge said, yeah, uh, <laughs> crazy Google, you so random. Uh, how about $1.8 million instead? Well, he does bring up a good question. Was there already a contract in place... And could it be changed? I mean, I know contracts can be challenged all the time, but w- was there a contract already in place between uh, the patent holder and Microsoft? I don't know, actually. That's a That's good a, question. That is a good question. I I think the big problem is, is that because of the market, because of how consumers are. I mean, if this was just simply an industry standard and no one on the consumer space actually ever saw H.264, then it wouldn't be an issue. Yeah, you're right, Hick. Um, Google would go ahead and say, yeah, you pay us $4 billion. Microsoft says, shove it. And Google says, great, find something else. And they would. But the problem is, is that we as consumers use H.264 a lot. We use it all the time. You would be surprised how often you use it. So what is Microsoft supposed to tell consumers in the meantime? Sorry. Shove it. We are refusing to pay Google on principle, so you can't use mobile video anymore on Windows. That doesn't work. That's actually kind of extortion. That That's not free market at that point. Right, because they're not. Getting, we're gonna, they don't have more than one source to pull it from. Exactly, it's a monopoly, and the monopoly is suddenly going. Yeah, you know what? You can't have that anymore. Is this similar to uh, everybody complains about the gas prices when they jump up, or am I kind of off track on that? That's an oligopoly. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, um, and and actually, uh, we're, Hick, we're going to revisit this again because this is actually one of our headlines. Believe it or not. But thank you for the feedback. Again. Um, Ruff sent us in no feedback, but he sent us a, uh, a letter uh, and a link, which we've put into the show notes. Well, actually, I don't think it's the exact same one, but it's dealing with the same thing. So we'll get to that as well. Uh, and into our headlines, we have kind of a funny little back and forth here. First off, EA, most hated company in America. Two years running. Two years running. <laughs> um. They just laid off a huge amount of their staff. Now, I have a question. Uh, Why have they laid them off when they just got the Star Wars license? Which also means I'm not going to be playing any Star Wars games soon. Well, thanks for jumping ahead. Um, But yeah, they've just laid off a thousand employees. Now, granted, these thousand employees are probably not the ones who've been screwing over the company lately. Something tells me they are lower down on the totem pole than the actual screw-ups. <laughs> They're the ones on the SimCity team. Yeah. <laughs> but not the ones who made those horrible decisions for no. SimCity. Obviously not. <laughs> of course not. Um, it is, once again, kind of sad to see that many people go at once. Um, but it is kind of a push towards seeing how the money in the industry is changing. If you screw up, if you release a crappy game, it's the industry's not going to forgive you anymore. The money won't forgive you. You're kind of just screwed. But as Stark uh, jumped ahead and said, yeah, our next headline is actually that Disney has granted EA all the licenses to Star Wars games from here on out. 
they hate Star Wars gamers so mm-hmm. much. They never want a Star Wars fan to play another Star Wars game again, <laughs> ever, ever, ever. I was going to say, insert the uh, Imperial March here. <laughs> I, I think I wonder if if they're hiring people from Lucas Arts since they they all got laid off. Um, it it would behoove them to hire them back on under the EA title, which probably accounts for the layoffs. But but you know that these games that they come out with, they're going to have crappy DRM. DRM always on connection for single player game and only uh, one Origins account. Yeah, so you can they, only deploy your lightsaber when you're connected to the internet. <laughs> oh no! Oh. <laughs> oh, Would you like man. more thermal detonators? Insert five more coins. <laughs> this yeah. uh, this. It's going to work really well for for Disney and it's cuz they're going to get the game titles out there and they're going to get the publicity and it's going to work really well for EA cuz they're going to get paid and it's going to work horribly for people that actually want to play the games and enjoy themselves. Mm. Because that's how EA rolls. Wait, we want to play a game to enjoy ourselves? What what is it playing no. a game to we 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 Farm now on Farmville. What are you talking about? Well, okay. Let me <laughs> let me play devil's advocate here. Okay, Lucas Lucas Arts, the the game production company, admittedly were having problems with making money. It wasn't there. It wasn't that they had a problem making games. I mean, I don't really remember. I'm probably wrong here, but I don't really remember any games that Lucas Arts made that were bad. Right? They Everyone just haven't really. They just haven't done any really good ones for a long time. Yeah, and the ones they did make, they didn't monetize real well. They they they, they, they never figured out multiplayer. They were really well story driven. The graphics were decent, but the story was really really good. The 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 physics, the the engines were really good. But Bioware can do the same thing, and Bioware can make money doing it. LucasArts never seemed to really make money. Disney saying, yeah, that's not going to fly. We just spent a grundle on you. We need to make back that investment. And for that reason, maybe EA is not the worst choice. If you look at it from the standpoint that Disney is not trying to make great games, Disney's trying to make money back. EA is kind of the choice to make, unfortunately. Produce crap, make money. There are other companies out there, and I, I, I guess I would have liked to have known who else had an opportunity to bid on this, but we'll probably never know. Mm. I think part of the issue too is that uh, EA can make games for cheap. <laughs> if they had handed the uh, contract over to uh, to Bioware, those games would have been in development for a lot longer. They'd be awesome, and they'd be good games. <laughs> curse you quality or quantity right that's right okay speaking of video games and being online uh word had initially come out that the xbox 720 or as it's codenamed actually durango would be an always online machine meaning that if you turned it on it was always going to be online as part of its drm uh there was a huge fallout someone up in the microsoft camp started tweeting about it saying i don't really see the big deal about it you know, everyone has internet, and people started calling them out, going, well, not if you live in, you know, rural Pennsylvania or something, or New Jersey, and he said, well, why would I live there? <laughs> oh, um, come on, middle of nowhere Nebraska is lovely this way time. Way to stay classy year. there. <laughs> I, I don't blame him. Why would you live there? Um, 
and there go all of our Jersey listeners. I don't think we have any Pennsylvania <laughs> listeners, but um, but They're yeah, all he, Amish. They don't have computers. He doesn't work there anymore, which isn't really surprising. <laughs> but um, yeah, now word has come out that uh, well, no, Durango might be able to be playable offline after all if it's only the single player campaign which well yeah <laughs> duh, that's how it should be you know every time you say the uh, the code name for this upcoming box I keep thinking of uh, Deanna Troy going it's Durango <laughs> that's yeah <laughs> this is where I insert the cricket sound because unfortunately I do not know that episode yeah there there's Star Trek references I'll have to explain to you <laughs> I always think of the Dodge uh, SUV Durango. Imagine the Xbox running over people. <laughs> the Canyon Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> that is an awesome beast of a vehicle. Smells like a stink in seats 35. Um, yeah, so yay for that. Uh, now we just need to see if it will allow us to play previous generations or pre-sold games into Google News, and this is kind of a, a continuation of uh, Hicks' email. Yeah, so you know how the EA, EU, not EA, there's a lot of E's, there's too many E's. The EU doesn't really like monopolies. They don't like uh, they like going after antitrust. Well, it's determined that Google's recent actions with the H.264 codec constitutes a monopoly which, by definition, it does. So instead of giving, getting the $4 billion uh, from Microsoft per year that they wanted, they're instead getting antitrust charges over a patent litigation that they tried to pull with Apple. Same kind of thing they did with Microsoft, only this time they're doing it against Apple. Apple said, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. And the EU said, yeah, no. They're right. So Google is really being raked over the coals over all this. So this isn't a case of the Europeans hating Google again, like we've talked about in the past. It might be that, too. But in all honesty, it it, it is it does seem to be like what Higgs said. Google's trying to make all their money back in one year from two pa- patents. <laughs> So, I don't think that's going to work for them. Probably not so well. Maybe you know Google now can tell them when they can make their money back. <laughs> all right. Um, into we are a quiet group. I should point out that we are all exhausted. Schmidt is is like ill. I'm about and to now that we have webcams, we're talking we can about all see how ill he Ill. is. He's physically ill, not just ill in. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm both. <laughs> <laughs> He's ill and like a villain, and he wants to throw up. Um, Stark needs to stop talking black. So does Zook. Oh, is, no, the saying's talking back, isn't it? Not talking black. Oops. Okay, sorry. Wow. <laughs> That's from Modern Family. It's great. Okay. I, I'm not just throwing out racist comments here for that's my well, job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sausage. Okay, into uh, <laughs> Nokia sausage. Uh, Nokia shareholders have 
demanded that Stephen Elop step down and that they get off of Windows Phone. Which proves that Nokia shareholders have no clue what's going on. We posted, uh, this was a couple weeks ago, but Nokia actually ended the last quarter only down a few million dollars. Which is not bad when you consider that the same time last year, they were down a few billion dollars. And they are actually now operating on a gain, and they're about to launch a whole new slew of phones. In fact, I think their 610 just launched. They're launching a new feature phone that's uh, for emerging markets only. They're actually picking up quite a bit and gaining a lot of industry traction. So what do you do? You call for the CEO who did it to stand down and you change gears again? But, you know, it's interesting because you look at the numbers and Microsoft phones in the in the last or in the first quarter of this year are anywhere between three and five per, or almost six percent of the market sales from during zero. the first quarter <laughs> from zero and so and those are nokia's so obviously nokia and microsoft are doing something well and it's likely a combination but you can't have the success of the microsoft phone without good hardware behind it, which is where Nokia gets the credit. So I, I think that this is a, a stupid, stupid move on their part. What's even worse is the fact that the shareholders have flat out said they want Nokia to court Android. They see all the money that HTC isn't making, and I guess they want a piece of that action. Um, but Samsung is making money. Samsung is making mad money off of Android. Now, here's the problem. The Android versus Apple race has really turned into the Apple versus Samsung race. Because unfortunately, Motorola, while they make Android phones, and while I'm not dissing them at all, they don't have the same market shares as Samsung does, right? Samsung rules the Android market. I don't personally think, and I say this as someone who has a Nokia phone and likes it, I don't personally think that Nokia could withstand an onslaught from both Apple and Samsung. Or I should say both uh, Motorola and Samsung, because they'd be competing against them in the Android space. There's always BlackBerry. BlackBerry <laughs> isn't in the Android space. No, I, I think I think Nokia needs to stick with what they've been doing. The Windows Phone is, is proving to be very successful. Uh, people that have them love them. Their sales are up. You know, I mean, there's there's no reason not to keep doing what they're doing because obviously what they're doing has been working over the over the short term. Yeah, I and I understand the shareholders are kind of upset because they're not seeing the same meteoric rise of their stocks like maybe if they were Samsung. But maybe we should remind them where they were before Windows Phone. <laughs> Remember, guys? Yeah, ex- you were exactly. nowhere. I mean, what what was their OS? Symbian, Sim, Sim, Symbian. something, yeah. Symbian, Symbola. I mean, I mean, that's that's big internationally, and Nokia is big internationally still. But I mean, getting back into the U.S. market the way they did with the with the Windows Phone deal, I mean, that's just that's good business on their part, I think, and they're 
they deserve a lot of credit for what they've been able to do. They shouldn't be getting destroyed by their shareholders. It, it sounds kind of like their shareholders. Like maybe this is an unfair comparison, but I'm comparing them to BlackBerry users who are upset that BlackBerry's new flagship phone is a touchscreen without the yeah. uh, without the keyboard. Because you know what. We we need a keyboard. It's like, no, no, no. You're misreading the market here. Just because you're a shareholder doesn't mean that the company exists to serve you. It means that the company exists to make you money, which they're trying to do. Let's yes. st- stand back and let them do it. And if you don't like the way they're doing it, or if you feel that they're not doing it well enough, sell your stock and buy someone else's. If you like ha- Blackberry. If you happen to be a shareholder, please contact us and let us know what you think. Since I just called you an idiot and all, you know. Uh, yeah. Speaking of idiots, um, people keep saying, keep saying over and over and over. Zucrage. <laughs> and over. Definitely how bad Rage Windows with the 8 <laughs> how bad Windows 8 is and why it's not shipping and it's killing the PC market and over and over and over we hear this well the numbers have finally been released and if you read them you would understand exactly why Microsoft isn't concerned Windows 8 has just hit the 100 million licenses threshold they did it in let me cuz I Miss it 192 here. days. Right, 192 days. 100 million licenses is a big deal. Now, Windows 7, I think everyone, even Apple fans, can agree on. Windows 7 is a good operating system. It's popular. People love it, right? Anyone want to guess how long it took Windows 7 to hit 100 million? 183 days. So this is that's almost the same as 192 days. It's just a, a few days shorter. It's Thanks, a Blue's difference Clues. of a week. <laughs> it's a week and a couple days. So all you Windows 8 haters, you tell me how much it's not shipping that it took an extra week to hit 100 million. That does not mean it's failing. That just means that people weren't buying it quite as fast. But Microsoft is looking at th- making some changes to Windows 8. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard about Windows Blue. We've been we've been telling everyone about Windows Blue since before anyone else has. Yeah, yes, we know what Windows Blue is. <laughs> and basically, uh, I, I know the rumor's been on again, off again, on again, but it looks like they are once again looking at returning the start button. Um, what's interesting is that I actually talked with somebody... Uh, the other day, whose business actually moved to Windows 8. But other than the operating system, they said it looked just like Windows 7, because I guess they had it set up so that they wouldn't have to retrain all their employees. Other than the operating system? Well, basically the the interface. So basically they had a start button. Right. I'm like, okay, did you have to to use any of the touch screens? Did you have to use any of this? Oh, no. They said it's just like Windows 7. I'm like, okay. I guess it is. Schmitty, you you had something there. Well, yeah, um, yeah. Windows 8. In order, to, I mean, they they probably have a third party app to add the uh, start button on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 yeah, when you have like Start Is Back or there, there's a couple of th- third party apps. When you have those on there, it looks identical to Windows 7, the the desktop side of it anyway. And, and this and, this is how that person described it. Yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing. I actually installed one of those apps. I had it running on my work computer for about a week. Drove me insane. I had to uninstall it and go back to the start screen. It drove me so nuts that I have a hard time going back to any computer with a start menu. Now, 
So for for everyone who keeps saying Windows Blue is bringing all this stuff back, do you know what evidence they're citing? They're citing analysts who are saying Microsoft is releasing an update, and they're saying they're using customer feedback. So obviously this means that they're making it the way I want them to make it. (laughs) Customer feedback could have said, the wireless takes too long to connect. Yeah, yeah that, that's exactly right. And I actually saw something the other day, and it was an article, and it was talking about how with the update that, that Microsoft is going to be releasing to Windows 8 later this year, they are reevaluating exactly what's going to be involved with that update, what they're going to be putting in it. And somebody said, well, you know, does that mean that they're completely shifting here and that they're kowtowing to... Or are they making the right a U-turn? Yeah, are they making a U-turn? Are they bending to the will of all these analysts? And it said the, the answer to that was no. It just means that they've looked at the situation and they see that there are things that they need to do that maybe they hadn't planned on doing, but they're still going ahead and making the changes that they had intended on making all along. They're just going to be doing different changes as well. Now, right now... So, I mean... No, Zoner's absolutely it's, right, yeah. It's a successful operating system. There's no there's no two ways about it. Now, the one thing, the one actual quote, the only Microsoft quote about this comes from someone who's not even part of the Windows division, but is within Microsoft. And he says that uh, there is a steep learning curve. Microsoft is realizing that there is a steep learning curve, and they're trying to make that easier for users to, to overcome. Does anyone else remember the last time Microsoft made a major UI change? Windows, Windows 95. XP? Oh, 95, no, yeah. 95. Do you remember what happened for the first, like, month you booted up Windows 95? Anyone? It pointed all to the, the start t- menu. There was all a, the little tips. Yeah, and there were tips everywhere, and the big one, Schmidt, he's absolutely right, was this stupid arrow that looked like it was from a kid's show pointing you, look over here, click here to begin, I think was the actual quote. Yep. It was like a Blue's Clues paw. <laughs> Okay. Dude, that's the second Blue's Clues reference we've had tonight. This is awesome. <laughs> but, people, that's how bad you were when we moved from Windows 3.1 to Windows 95. It was so hard for people to get the concept of a button, they actually had to have a childlike pop-up telling you this is how to use your computer. Now, perhaps Microsoft gave everyone too much credit in Windows 8, and just kind of assumed that people would get it. A lot less so you're calling tips. everybody stupid, okay. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah there's, there's a lot less tooltips and, and hints in Windows 8. And th- there is a, uh, a help section, but it doesn't really run you through a tutorial. Um, I will I will so admit that. Schmidty's absolutely right, yeah. There so aren't any tips. Them, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, what little information they do have. I installed... Windows 8 on my computer and my wife's computer at the same time. My wife, who is not technical at all, picked it up faster than I did. I mean, she she was blazing through it within minutes, whereas it took me like an hour to figure out, okay, well, this is, this is what I got to do to do this and to get accustomed to it. But I mean, people aren't stupid. Analysts are stupid, apparently. Well, they're set in their ways. Does anyone remember... Um 
and I've said that phrase now so many times, but you guys remember when we went to Office 2007? They did away with the old menu bars at the top, and they introduced the ribbon. Remember? The ribbon. Yes. Yeah. And analysts and people in the industry, even myself, I'll admit, I hated it. Everyone hated it. But they found out a very interesting thing. People who didn't really know Office were able to pick up a copy of Office and immediately start using it like a pro. Yep. People who yeah, it had was using... Sorry, Shmini, go ahead. Yeah, it, was, it was only the people that, that had had gotten used to the actual menu, menu system in Office knew where everything was in the menu system. Now they have to completely relearn where everything is because they rearranged it all. And for, yeah, they were power users. It affected the power users. And, and for the, the same first, thing like, happened when we went from Office 2007 to Office 2010. Well, yeah, well, no, because the the power users were going, well, Microsoft is going to release an update. They're going to bring me back my menus. This isn't going to stick around. Sounds Everyone familiar. knows this. They're just going to bring it back to the way actual people want to use it. I actually want to use my Office suite. Well, then we went to 2010, and now we're on 2013, and the ribbon interface is not only still here, it is now exp- expanded to Windows, too. Yeah, and you know the, uh, the third-party apps that add the Start button in Windows 8? There's also third-party apps that add the old menu back into Office 2013. It's, it, pe- there are people that can't, can't uh, break away from that. So, You know, all these people remind me of the idiots that every six weeks or whatever when Facebook does an update and changes something that start all the groups. <laughs> I'll bring back my news feed. Bring back my ads in the left hand side, not the right. Bring, I mean, they uh, bring me back my regular profile page. Bring me back my timeline. I miss timeline. I so want to get a screenshot of Facebook version one when it was first released to the public. So when people say, I oh, want yeah. my old Facebook back, I'll, I'll post that and say, you mean this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's what these idiots sound like. You know, I mean, we're, we're all, I would say, dare say we're power users. We're all computer nerds. We're all IT guys. We know how the software works. We know how to use it. We're, but we, we are also not a, realize that things change. We're not a fair representation. Change. The four of us are not a fair representation of users in general. No, we're freaks. We the <laughs> we're freaks. That being said, Stark, but, you don't like Windows 8. Squishy, Dr. Squishy, our, our comics guy, he doesn't like it. He hates Windows 8. <laughs> but it's. It, I'm not saying that it's perfect and everyone who doesn't like it is an idiot because that's not true. Everyone's going to have their own their own take on it. But all these analysts who keep taking one quote from Microsoft and just one and immediately to them that means start button's coming back. Start screen's going away. They're going to rebuild the entire OS in my image the way I want it. It's like, no, it's just, it's just a bunch of updates. That's really it. Yeah. Sorry, guys. It's working. It's obviously working very well. Maybe they'll introduce some more tool tips. Because, and I hadn't thought about that until uh, Schmitty said it. Yeah, you're right. Windows 8 does not have many pointers. It just kind of throws you into the deep end and hopes you can swim. So, Ah! maybe maybe that's what they mean. And that's one thing. I've set up Windows 8 systems for a couple people, and I've told them, you know, give it a couple days. You're probably... You may not like it because it's going to be different, but once you get used to it and figure out, okay, go to the corners and that'll fix everything, you're going to be loving it. And sure enough, I don't hear the complaints, you know? Mm-hmm. You, you 
do, do you got to give it a chance because there is that steep learning curve but the learning curve i don't think is as steep as the analysts have tried to make it out to be yeah well, it will be interesting to see how this goes. And, of course, we're going to have our naysayers come out of the woodwork to, to tell us we're wrong. And they're welcome to that. But in any case, uh, the one part uh, we need to move on. But I do want to leave us with this. The one thing that all four of us, even though one of us doesn't even like. Uh, okay. I don't hate it. but I, I know you don't hate it. But you're not a big fan of it like the three of us are. So, And that's okay. But even you have to admit, and you have admitted, that the analysts saying that Microsoft are concerned because the business sector has not picked up Windows 8 it is yeah. crap. <laughs> well, this is what Microsoft's doing. It's almost, and basically like we compared it to Facebook. It's not like Facebook's ever going to go back. And I actually, with a Google search, I've actually found the first image of, of, a, of an early Facebook wall. So maybe we'll throw that in our show notes somewhere. <laughs> it's still blue. Yeah, it is still yeah. blue. <laughs> yeah. But no, uh, that, that's the one thing I want to leave you on. Any analyst who says that Microsoft is concerned because businesses haven't picked up their brand new OS, you should immediately start questioning their credentials because no business picks up the OS right off the bat. And Microsoft knows that. So, they may want it that way, but they know it's not going to happen. Yeah, so that's not a concern. All right, we get, we do have to move on. And moving on into very interesting news here. Remember, it was like a year ago when we first started talking about the Nielsen ratings and how people watching it online or people who have cut the cord have affected the Nielsen numbers. Well, what was it, three weeks ago we talked about how Nielsen... And how do you pronounce it? Nelson? Nielsen? Nielsen. Nielsen. It's Nielsen. Okay. Uh, Nielsen was going to start including online viewership. Well, they've released their first numbers, and up until now, I wasn't aware of this, but over the past five years, they've been saying, oh yeah, people aren't watching uh, people aren't watching uh, TV much anymore. It's simply, it's a dying medium. Well, it turns out that's not only wrong, uh, TV viewership is actually going the opposite direction. It's up 1.2%. Which I think all of us kind of say... Duh. <laughs> well, and I think what's happening is is that the habits of those viewers might not be to cable's liking, but they are there. They people are moving out. They're getting their own apartments. They're moving in out of their parents' houses, but they're not starting cable. They're they're actually called the cord nevers instead of the cord cutters. <laughs> and by the way, Niels, yes, I did get your article about. Uh, the a la carte type type of uh, pricing, but no, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to include it in the notes. Okay. Basically, uh, somebody's trying to introduce a bill, introduce a bill, try to get a la carte pricing again in cable, and that should be done by the market, in my opinion. I, I agree. D- I agree, but I don't ever see it coming. That's one of those unicorn dreams. I don't. Yeah, which is why I'm never going back to cable. So, but then again, but yeah, TV viewing is up, antenna sales are up. Um, and, and, of course, the smart television sales are going higher as well. So there's more than one way to get that signal to your TV, and people are watching it. Makes me hope that maybe Microsoft will pick back up Media Center. Yes, another, please. Another yeah. instance of Microsoft being a little bit too ahead of the time. Yes. We, we've talked about it very briefly. I use Microsoft uh, Windows Media Center, which first started out in Windows XP and has been mm-hmm. included in every version of Windows since, but no one used it because the technology wasn't there. 
And so they've stopped supporting it, and they've stopped bringing it out into new versions now because, well, obviously no one's interested in this. So are we Oops. waiting for a third-party app? <laughs> well, you have Roku, and you have... Uh, XBMC. Yeah, you have all sorts of other third parties. Now, I, I, I even tried Windows Home Server back in the day. I set up a server um, with the Windows Home Server operating system on it, um, and that worked wonderfully with, with all my Media Center extenders, and they even discontinued that. It had it had they were way ahead of their time in in drive dynamic drive sharing and everything. And so I I think that needs to come back too. So it will. It'll just be done by Roku or Google. <laughs> okay. Uh, speaking of the future, we weren't speaking of the future. That was a horrible segue. We're speaking um, <laughs> to the future. Whoa! Now um, it's going to be the future soon. There have been things talked about the future of internet, right? We've all heard about IPv6, even if you don't understand what, what it is. Uh, one that you may not have heard of is quantum internet. Uh, it's supposed to be used quantum mechanics to make uh, the internet connection much more secure. And it's going to be deeply theoretical and very, very complex and hard to do. And it's the future, man. It's it's how we are going to do things. They've gone plaid. Well, it <laughs> turns out that the Los Alamos Research uh, Facility not only has quantum internet, they've been using it successfully for two years. Just kind of... Oh, wow. It's like the most ultimate humble brag ever. They're like, yeah, so whatever. It's It's working. <laughs> So that's why we keep losing to these guys on these online games. We, we have all this lag, and they've got all this quantum stuff. Playing <laughs> in the future. Now, in this instance, how they're doing it is uh, by in quantum mechanics, it states that if you ever observe a photon, it changes its nature. So you can never monitor one and have it not change. So what they do is they incorporate a photon. Good. Is that why Scott Bakula was always someone different? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. You know, just once on Enterprise, I wanted to hear him say, oh boy. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that off my chest. I was going to explode there. That was just... Ar- <laughs> it, it Archer it, should have totally named his beagle uh, Ziggy. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, so, but but in this, what they do is they encapsulate a photon that they know the value of with the packet of data and send it on to the other side. When it's received on the other side, the other side can compare, and it's using a photon almost as a hashtag, so they can see if it's been if tampered it's with. tampered with. And if you do interact with it halfway through, if you do intercept it. Because just by intercepting it, you've changed the nature of the photon. You've also ruined the packet. I see. An analyst isn't determining the value, are they? <laughs> no. But so, no matter where you are, if you're not on the other end, on the receiving end of that, and it has to be a paired receiver, it's going to be gibberish, no matter what. There's no way to decrypt it. There's no other way around it. It's just gibberish. So they found a way to do that, and that's really, really cool. I don't know if we're going to see this anywhere else soon, but really cool if they can use other quantum mechanics to increase our speed. Google uh, will buy it and overcharge us for it. Two quick little headlines here. Evidently, uh, we there was a, a free comic day mishap. Those poor stormtroopers. Yeah, basically in Portland, Maine, um, some 300-pound guy uh, got out of his car or walked across the street or something like that and he assaulted both a stormtrooper and a ghostbuster. I mean, physically hitting them and choking them and stuff. 
and then ran down the street, and the police had to basically chase him down and taser him. And, uh, yeah, you, you thought the stormtroopers had it bad before. Now you've got, like, three, you know, first it was Ewoks, and now you've got 300-pound, you know, drunk guys <laughs> hitting you on you while you're at Free Comic Book Day. It's 300 pounds. I would expect him to have been in line. I would expect him to have gone, ho, 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 bring me on Solo and Wookiee. <laughs> cheapa, cheapa, Solo. Um, also, in other weird news, Demonoid, the file sharing site, uh, was shut down a while ago. Uh, and people received emails saying, hey, we've come back. Go ahead and enter in your credentials here, and we'll get you set back up. Yeah, it wasn't real. Live. <laughs> It, it, yeah, it wasn't loaded real. malware stole stole info. They don't know the full extent of the damage yet, but there were a lot of suckers that fell for it. Yeah. So if uh, you use Demonoid, stop. Our talking point this week is kind of a weird one. It's span. We, to be honest, we didn't actually have a talking point until right before we hit record. Uh, it is kind of all over the place, but it's all dealing with money in the industry, and it seems to be changing hands quite a bit. First off, on how companies are making money. Second off, on how consumers are losing money, and thirdly, how companies are just throwing it everywhere now. Can you go ahead and define which industry we are we are discussing? The tech industry, okay. the online and the tech industry. You know what ninety percent of our shows about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Furbies, <laughs> Furbies everywhere. Buy Furby stock. <laughs> They're still of the devil. <laughs> oh, you know what they should make? Random sausage hair. They should totally make a job off Furby. <laughs> Imagine a Jabba the Hutt speaking like a Furby. That would be freaky. <laughs> Schmitty looks a little bit more ill now, actually. He just turned a little oh, ashen. <laughs> our, our Furby here has disappeared, and um, I won't speak to where <laughs> to its whereabouts. <laughs> the battery fairy come by and steal the batteries from no, the Furby. I did notice that your landscaping was a little bit messed up in the backyard. <laughs> I didn't question it, but... <laughs> He attributed it to moles. (laughs) (laughs) You are now in the possession of the mole man. Uh, So first up, we're going to talk about is Adobe. Adobe has a very popular creative suite, or CS. Currently, they're on CS6, and they'll be moving up to CS7 here soon. Adobe Photoshop and the rest of the creative suite have been the most pirated software for as long as I can remember. Okay, mm-hmm. my very first bit of pirated software we talked about last week. I've I've pirated software in the past was like Photoshop three, back in the late nineties. Well, you had to pirate it because it cost like eighteen thousand dollars for a license. Yeah, it was insane. Well, it's still insane, but now it's uh, now it has a lot more other uh, software. What they've done is they've decided to just drop that licensing model and go to cloud subscriptions, where you can now subscribe month by month, no contract, so you could use it for one month and then not use it the next and pay a monthly subscription to use these services. Now, if you don't pay... There's a catch, though. I was going to ask, if You've you don't get- use it, do you not get charged? Right. It's it's a month-to-month. Now, um, d- and they started this a year ago, but um, it, that you still had the option to buy the full version uh, straight out. But this is going to eliminate 
the full retail version. This will be the only option um, starting with the ne- next version of, of CS. And you are not able to pay as you go. You have to sign a one-year commitment for this. Really? I misread that then well, because... I, yeah, yeah it, it, Lifehacker has an article, and, and that's one of the things that they say is you cannot pay as you go. It is a mm. one-year deal. After the one year, is it a month-to-month or... Or is that not so? Either? I don't know. I, I'm not sure if you have to do it a year at a time. I would love to hear feedback on this. To our Photoshop mm. users out there, would you go for something like this? I don't think they can do that across the board, though, right? Because what about graphic design industries? What about a company that does that and that's their main living? They're not. I mean, right? Well, you know, for, for a graphic design company, it's probably cheaper anyway. Um, because if you get the full. Extended suite, it's it's uh, what twenty six hundred, almost three thousand um, dollars, and they up, update every two years. Uh, if you if you add up all the uh, the month uh, thirty dollars a month for the first year and the fifty dollars a month after that, it's actually a lot cheaper to go this way. Um, so I I think it's a win for people that use it long term. Well, it, if according to this article here, if you go. Um if you do single apps through the cloud, uh, you don't need to pay the do the one year commitment deal, but you will pay twenty dollars per app, which comes out to three hundred and eighty dollars a month if you uh, want the entire suite. So no, I, let's be I honest. don't know that in the long run this is necessarily better for the consumer. Let's be honest though, most people who use Creative Suite don't use all of it. Right. There's either someone that uses just Photoshop and InDesign. Uh, video producers will only use um, Premiere and Premier. Audition, After Effects. Uh, so yeah, I don't. I don't see there. There. If there are, if there are people that use every single product in the Creative Suite, it's a small niche. I think. Yeah, I. I would tend to agree with that. Now, what's interesting? This does remind me quite a bit of Office 365's um, subscription. If you guys remember, there is basically the same idea, only for Office apps. But this may be, and now we're playing the analyst pundit card here. <laughs> so take this with a huge grain of salt. But it does seem to be that this is the way that large industry partners are planning to go. And I just want you to imagine that, that maybe someday, sometime in the near future, the software you use the most may be a subscription base. Well, Microsoft has been wanting to go subscription-based for its OS for years now. Yeah, and I, I can see this turning um, the way of, of SimCity. If you're subscription-based and you have to be always connected to the Internet to, to validate your copy, what happens if you don't have Internet connection? Can you use your Photoshop? Can you use your, your Premiere? Maybe hmm, we'll have to see. I would say it would almost be like buy a month of time and it almost downloads a month long license to your computer so you don't need to be connected every second you're using it but your computer that the program local on your computer knows that in a month it's unusable that's possible but then that that, that means it's crackable so that's yeah, true yeah that's one of the first things I thought of yeah so this is worth looking at uh, looking into another change that's coming to us uh, we talked about this well, we've been talking about this for a while now. Zonor, you predicted it years ago, and then we talked about it again a month ago. The internet tax is on its way. This is the one that yes. if you buy from an online retailer, 
you have to pay sales tax. But there is a catch. The Senate just passed a bill making it okay for for uh, internet sales tax to go through. However, that's unconstitutional. Any finance revenue type bills need to originate in in the House of Representatives. So I don't know what's going to happen with it. But well, the, the Supreme Senate Court will probably pass fail a bill to do their saying, deal. "Here's what we here's what you get to do now." Yeah. Now, is this the same bill that said if you make above a certain amount, you have to collect tax? I think so, yeah. Any uh, online retailer that does more than a million dollars in sales in a year. You know, because I've seen all these pictures on Facebook going, oh, all these small businesses are going to have to deal with, you know, 7,323 different tax laws if if these bills go through, so stop this. (laughs) Yeah, this this rules out only... Like like Amazon, Etsy, uh, eBay. Basically, the big retail eBay. Is oh, a big eBay! One. How are they going to do that? Does that That'd count well, as a retailer? Who does, who does that? Yes, eBay is against this. Because would eBay have to add on the tax, or would the seller have to add on the tax? That's that's a huge question. You're right. If I'm selling something from here in Utah, and I'm selling it to someone in Washington State, does eBay pay the sales tax, or do I pay the sales tax? Is there a sales tax in both Washington and Utah? I and and again, we said the same thing when we brought this up a couple weeks ago. We have yet to see an actual bill with all the wording that answers these questions. Even that House bill or, or, or the Senate bill doesn't answer all these questions. It says where the money should, how the money should be used, and who should collect the money, but doesn't really take into account the fact that online retail has expanded quite a bit. Especially now that, okay, um, perfect example. I'm not to dwell on this because we still have more money news to get into. But you go to Amazon and you want to buy a Nexus 7, okay, from, from Amazon. And you'll notice that some of them are being sold by Amazon and some of them are being sold by, through Amazon as a partner. But it's being sold by some other company in Michigan or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Does that hundred million clause count because it's the company in Michigan who's selling it? But they're using Amazon to do it, who definitely falls over a hundred million. Does, By the way, Amazon is in favor of this law. Does Amazon pay it? Does the Michigan company pay it? They, again, it's just it's really complex. But it's real, and I bet you, even if even if it's unconstitutional right now on a technicality, they will figure out a way to bring it back, and we will see this in effect in the next year or two. Because it's what they do. Right. They're a bunch of shysters. <laughs> now tell us how you really feel there, Zonner. Okay, yeah, I, no, I can we, go we on and on. We don't have time. We only have ten minutes left. Um, into yeah. uh, other news... Uh, MMO news, actually, surprisingly. We haven't talked about WoW for like over a year now. Wow. That'd be like an Has OD. Has it been that long yeah. since we talked about WoW? It'd be an OD episode. Oh, wow, really? I just looked at the headline for this. <laughs> I just threw up a gang sign. I, there I the love the camp. fact that Zook is flashing. Yeah, you're flashing gang signs at us, and nobody can see, but you know. <laughs> well, so uh, a news article has come out that. Uh, the, oh, you can't see that one. It just looks like I'm doing thumbs up. 
but World of Warcraft has lost 1.3 million players, which by itself is not a huge amount until you consider they've done it in three months. That is a huge. Do we know loss. why this has happened? There are theories going about, but I think a big part of it is simply that the online game model has changed. It's gone the way of SimCity, where you well, pay money and then you don't get to play the game. Actually, there's a lot of the MMORPGs now that are free to play. And then the way they make their money is that you buy special content in the game. Yeah. But isn't yeah, World of Warcraft I, there free to play for up to level twenty? I believe still. I, I'm, I've never I've never looked at World of Warcraft, so I don't know. Well, it, I, I think you're right, Schmitty. But but the free to play model, which everyone said would not work, is actually working really really well. Right. The the microtransaction one. Now, um, World of Warcraft, the backers, however. They aren't. Uh, they aren't sitting by. Uh, Activision stock dropped five percent after the earning call. After this news was released, people just started selling left and right. Now the game's been around for a long time. It launched in two thousand four. That is the longest running game I've heard of. Do you think it might be fatigue? Possibly. I. I think fatigue plays into it, and but they're concerned too that this is going to be an ugly year because they've got some stiff competition coming out. They didn't say specifically who, but Battlefield Four, uh, assuming people can actually log into the server to play, and uh, Call of Duty Ghosts are going to come out. Plus, um, Disney's Infinity, uh, which is similar to the to the Skylanders, um, which is franchise. just going to be freaking awesome. Yeah, I mean they they've got some good competition coming out. Wow could see Wow and and um Activision could see some serious hits this year in now, terms of people logging in to play their games. Now, it does make me wonder, is this just are we only hearing about this because World of Warcraft is so big? I mean, Guild Wars, have we seen how that number's trending? How about uh, what are some of the other MMOs that were for a while uh Middle Earth, Eve Online? I mean, EverQuest, EverQuest, Star Trek Online. Well, Star Trek Online doesn't count because it's a free to play. Oh, that's right. I, I'm talking about the subs- yeah. I'm talking about the subscription based ones. Do we have anything to compare, or is this just World of Warcraft? My guess is, and again, analyst guess here, so huge dump truck full of salt, is that it is like what Stark is saying. People are moving to the free to play model, and this could affect how games are made in the future. Uh, it's very possible that in the future, all games will be free unless you want to buy thermal detonators or lightsabers or purple cows. Cooler looking costumes. Yep. Uh, Speaking of the purple cow, into how other companies are spending money, it is very possible, (laughs) according to reports, that Facebook will be trying to buy Waze. No! Why? Well, there's only one reason why a social network would try and buy a GPS navigation company. The Facebook Home Launcher. If they could buy that, I'll bet you they're leveraging using its popularity and using its navigation capabilities and leveraging it into the Facebook experience on Android. 
just to tell you how popular Waze is, because I know we've talked about this in the past, Nathan Fillion was just tweeting just the other day. He says, if you get one app, get Waze. Yeah. Now, as soon as Zoner sent me this link, I told him exactly how it was going to go. And it goes something like this. In 200 yards, turn left. In 100 yards, turn left. A purple cow has wandered into your lane. Do you want to help it? <laughs> that's that's exactly how it's going to be, though. And uh, you know, I, I I'm not a change. big. <laughs> I, I'm not a big fan of Facebook, but I absolutely love Waze. And if Facebook ends up purchasing ways they're going to Facebookify it and I'm going to have to find a different GPS <laughs> you've already 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 an app. we all talk at once however, sure. <laughs> however I think that I have found one already He's I can't already say anything though ship. <laughs> you know, Facebook will just change the interface every six months <laughs> Yeah, I, I really hope they don't bake it into Facebook home um, I, I hope that if they do do anything with it that it stays a separate app because otherwise um, I, I think they'll lose a lot of user, Waze users. Yeah. I, I agree. What I'm thinking is I'm saying this half jokingly but you know, you have hit your navigation quota for the day. If you'd like to find your way home, please spend five more Facebook credits. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I can totally see that happening. Uh, in other news, Microsoft, um, a business report has come out that Microsoft is considering trying to buy the Nook from Barnes & Noble for $1 billion. Now, as much as I like Windows 8, as much as of a success that I think Windows 8 is, Windows 8 RT is not. It was supposed to be their great white hope. It definitely wasn't. It failed. I think it'd be really interesting to see them buy an existing property like the Nook, which has not been doing well against the Kindle or against the Nexus. Well, this is something that I've indirectly predicted in our in our year end show, our prediction show. I didn't think that the Nick that the Nook would stick around and to see it get purchased up by somebody else. I mean, that's I I knew Barnes and Noble. It, there's too much competition out there. Yep. Um, in news that is not from a report, this actually happened today. Uh, YouTube has launched their pilot program where you can subscribe to different YouTube channels, and it's a paid subscription. It's starting off right now at ninety nine cents. But I, actually, this I think is kind of the wave of the future because we're talking about you know cable companies and the, and, and how people aren't, aren't getting the stuff earlier or cable earlier. This is almost the a la carte method that the cable companies have been fearing. You, the, you know, you're gonna you're gonna subscribe either to this or to iTunes or to Netflix or something. Subscribe to, to Sesame Street for my kids. <laughs> Do you know what David called this last night when we rec- recorded with him, David Net? He used a phrase I'd never heard before, but I love it. He called it independent TV. Oh, yeah. I do like that. Doesn't that just kind of encapsulate exactly what we're seeing here? We see we say internet TV or web series or cu- cutting the cord, but what if it's just simply independent TV, which is really a good way of describing it. Uh, yeah, I agree. But uh, yeah, we're all, like I said, this is not a maybe or an analyst view. This happened today. It actually just launched today. Uh, so you might be able to subscribe now to different things. So uh, I, I know our talking point was all over the place, but the point is, 
A, as a consumer, you the way you're spending money online is about to change. The way companies are making money online with their software licenses is about to change. And uh, the way we buy our media now is already in the throes of change. So money is going to be... Sh- I. This is my analyst prediction. In the next year and a half, we will almost be unrecognizable with how we're spending money online and where money is going. I agree. And companies that don't hop on to, to these new models uh, will fall by the wayside. Yeah. RIAA, <laughs> ABC, NBC, CBS, MPAA. <laughs> yeah. News Corp. Um, so yeah, that, that's our thoughts on it. We want yours. Feedback at StolenDroids.com. We're running dangerously close to the wire here, so into our favorites. Mine is an SNL skit. It's the weekly news uh, where they have a quote-unquote tech analyst who is using his new pair of Google Glass. Now, forgive the fact that he's wearing it upside down. It is a dead ringer for how using Google Glass is right now. And I don't care what side of the fence you are on about the tech. It's brand new, which means... It doesn't work as intended. Not quite. Uh, it does, of course, fall into SNL territory where it turns out he's actually watching porn while on the weekend update and he can't get Google Glass to stop. So uh, go ahead, check it out. It is funny and it's unfortunately 100% true. Uh, my favorite this week is probably one of the best commercials ever. It's a Audi commercial pitting old Spock against new Spock. Um, Leonard Nimoy and Zachary, is it Quinto? Quinto. Yep. Uh, Quinto. Quinto. I, I don't know how to say these weird exotic names. But yeah, uh, basically the two of them going at each other, uh, lots of great corny Star Trek references from old man Spock and it, yeah, it's just great. Check it he out. He sings Bilbo Baggins. Come on. <laughs> he does. He does. Uh, my favorite comes from Mike Pouch on YouTube. Uh, he, he does a whole bunch of 8-bit versions of, of uh, music from, from all over the place. Uh, and my favorite of the week is his 8-bit version of the Halo theme. Um, and it, it, it works. <laughs> it works really well. So yeah, check it out. I think you'll like it. All right, so my favorite is is that I've discovered a new group that does their own style of videos. These are called Honest Trailers. They're showing a trailer for a movie, and they basically poke holes in all the different plot. They point out all the different plot holes and stuff, kind of like how, how it should have ended and a few of the different things. And, of course, they do it in a very humorous manner. This one that I've posted in, in, is, is for the 2009 Star Trek movie. Hilarious. Watch it. You're going you're gonna to laugh your butt off as well. <laughs> Which uh, leads us into Star Trek Into Darkness coming out soon. I am, uh, I am beside myself with excitement for this movie. So that yes. will be my favorite for the next month or so. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that is our show this week. Thank you so much for listening. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what you want to hear more of. And now uh, your thoughts. Again, feedback at StolenDroids.com. Uh, until next time, cheers. End of line. One to beam up. Good day. <laughs>